When I was 23, I discovered my voice as a songwriter. I'd been passionate about music my whole life, but when I wrote those first songs, I feel like I had discovered my calling. It was so clear to me that I needed to play those songs for as many people as possible, and I took that, that calling very literally. I got in a 1972 GMC, I'm talking a shitbox. This thing should not have driven past the dump, and I went ahead and put everything I owned in the back of it, and I drove it across the country. And part of this was to prove this notion, to test it out, that if we're doing what we're truly called to do, that somehow we'll be provided for, and that things will just work out. And I, you know, I believe that that was true, and I wanted to see. And so about six days later, I'm sitting in a parking lot in Eugene, Oregon, and I'm paralyzed with fear. I've got just about enough money to put some gas in my tank. I'm sitting on three songs that I'd written, and uh, I got a little bit of food left, and, I'm, and I can't move. What was I thinking? This wasn't a calling. This was some like childhood fantasy that had gone unchecked, and now here I am, a thousand miles from home, no way to get back and out of ideas. So I took a nap, and I took another nap, and then I ate the rest of my food. And then when I was all out of things to do, I had to give up. And so I said my best surrender prayer. I said, fuck it. And uh, <laughs> I put the truck in drive and I started to roll. And something happened at that moment. I felt this fire down in my belly. And I didn't know what was going to happen from there or how it was going to work out. But I just knew what I needed to do was to continue on that path and that it was going to work. Well, I just kept following the fire and the dream life rolled out in front of me. By the time I was 27, I'd crossed the country back and forth that way several times. I graduated to a motorcycle. In fact, I even did a stint in Mexico that way. I'd put together enough songs now that I could make my first record, so I came back to Alaska to make some money and get to the studio. I was in my last hitch on the slope before coming down to get into that studio, and I called up I called up a, a woman who I had been romantically involved with for a short time, and we decided that we were better off as friends. And I called to check in on her, and her voice was shaky. And she said, when you come home, we need to talk. And I knew what she was going to say, and I felt my whole life slow down to a stop. And everything got quiet. And then through her own tears, she said, I know how important music is to you, and I would never ask you to give up on your life stream, and I've made a decision that I'm gonna raise this baby that we're gonna have by myself. And what I said to her was, well, you don't know me very well. Uh, however, I would never miss the opportunity to be a father. And so in that moment, standing there like in the public telephone in the slope camp, we had this little moment of connection and hope and and, it, and there was, you know, so like, we don't know what the hell we're going to do, but we're going to do it together. Unfortunately, the reality continued to set in as the sleepless days packed on, and I felt fear and remorse and anger and shame. I promised myself that I would never raise a child in a two-household family. And here I was looking at living exactly that and seeing no way out. I was looking at this life that I had been gifted the opportunity of to do what I felt called to do and have actually have it work. And now I feel like I had blown the opportunity. And while this should have been a really joyous time in my life, despite the unplanned circumstances, I just felt devastated. And somewhere under the crush of all those emotions, that fire just extinguished. So I did what, what any uh, you know, father-to-be would, uh, would do at that point. I, uh, 
I, you know, all ste full steam ahead to Mexico. That's all right. I, I had a game plan. I had a full break from reality. I said, okay, I'm going to finish this record. I'm going to retrace my steps to Cabo San Lucas, where I had a nice little song down there that did well. I'm going to sell out every copy that I have. I will return a quasi-rock star in the Mexican pop charts, and I will then, like, figure out this dad thing when I get back. And, uh, and so... Off I went, and I was going to relive all the glory from the road. In fact, I went out on that motorcycle, and I was waiting for the, just the glory to rain down upon me, and, and, and you know, fans writing, Kevin, you're so brave of you to go out there and do this. And instead, like, people were like, what are you doing? You know? And, uh, like, you got a kid coming. And, uh, and, I, and what I did meet was, like, floods in Napa Valley, and I just pushed through, and I said, fuck it, I'm going. And... Uh, I can tell you, if you want like a full break from reality, don't plan a 2,000-mile solo motorcycle trip. I was locked inside my helmet with an egomaniac, a self-loathing a-hole, and, uh, and like a lawyer in there who was trying to like find some moral loophole to justify the whole experience. <laughs> it's crazy. By the time I got to Mexico, I was completely out of my mind. And uh, suffice it to say, here's my pinnacle of rock stardom down there. Picture me in a bar all by myself where I heard one of my songs playing uh, from the bar DJ because in order to play the song, I, I promised that I would buy a beer. And then I promptly passed out. It's classy. So by the time that trip was done, I was spent. And all, all the fight was out of me. And actually, I felt a little bit relieved to have failed on whatever I was trying to do because at least I had some sense of direction because I was completely lost in my life. I just didn't understand how this life that I knew I was called to do somehow couldn't work how I knew it was supposed to. And so I knew I just needed to go home and I felt like I was going back to like a prison sentence. And um, so I just headed north. And I remember I was traveling out of Fort Nelson, Colorado. It was about 70 degrees in the morning. And as I climbed through the hills into Wyoming, it got cold and the rain started to come down and then the rain started to come down sideways. And, and as the sun went down, the rain turned to snow. And I'm out there in the middle of nowhere and there's no place to hide, no place to get out of the weather. I'm hypothermic, not thinking clearly. And I'm about six miles out of Evanston, Wyoming. And I come to a big ravine called Two Sisters. It's a massive hill. And my best thinking says that I need to go as fast as this motorcycle can possibly go and knock down these six miles and just get some shelter. So as I moved down that hill, I passed 70 and 80 miles an hour. I passed 90. As I came up the other side of the massive hill, I tipped over 100 miles an hour. There's a large truck coming in the oncoming direction. And I thought to myself, like barely conscious, uh, I need to slow down because when I wreck, I'm going to die. And so I managed to get the bike slowed down enough. And sure enough, I think I found a patch of black ice. And the bike began to swish back and forth from one side to the other, and I did my best to try to recover, but there was no bringing it back. And eventually I slid out, and here I was skipping down I-80 on my back, and I can see the headlights swinging back and forth in the snow, and there's a rainbow of sparks coming off the gas tank and off the exhaust pipes. And I'm just kind of watching this whole thing unfold in front of me, and then this thought occurs to me. What am I doing out here? I'm going to be somebody's father. And then another thought occurs. I'm sliding for a really long time. 
<laughs> so I had time to kind of put all this together. And the fear and the shame and the remorse all started to melt away. And I had this, like, you know, I stopped feeling cold. And I started feeling like I can do this as soon as I stop sliding. And so eventually, like, the slide slowed down. And I rolled up onto my feet and ran and got my motorcycle. And, you know, I woke up in a hotel room the next day. And I, uh, and I grabbed my surroundings and realized where I was. And I felt that thing in my stomach. The fire had returned. And I felt very clearly the call of what I was supposed to do. I'm supposed to go be the best dad that I can be. So I hustled for Alaska. I jumped in with both feet into the fatherhood and did the best I could. And I haven't looked back since. The 10 years since that time has brought me incredible adventure. And I'll tell you that the desire to get on the road has not quieted one bit. But I wouldn't trade a single moment of fatherhood for any life on the road. And I just followed that fire and the dream life rolled out in front of me. I want to dedicate this story to my baby mama and her new fiance in the audience tonight and say a belated happy Mother's Day. Thanks. Thanks.